You are listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From October the 13th, 2019, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Kids say the darndest things, don't they? Like this thank you letter written by a young boy to a guest speaker who came to his class. Dear Mr. Ramon, thank you for coming to our school and teaching us about weather. Someday, when I become supreme ultra lord of the universe, I will not make you a slave. You will live in my 200-story castle where unicorn servants will feed you donuts off their horns. I will personally make you a throne that is half platinum and half solid gold and jewel encrusted. Thank you again for teaching us about meteorology. You're more awesome than a monkey wearing a tuxedo made out of bacon riding a cyborg unicorn with a lightsaber for the horn on the tip of a space shuttle closing in on Mars while engulfed in flames. (laughs) And in case you didn't know, That's pretty dang sweet. (laughs) Sincerely, Flint. (laughs) Now that kid knows how to write a thank you letter, right? In our scripture lesson today, we encounter someone who also knows how to give appropriate thanks. So the story is that Jesus and his friends were traveling south on the border between Galilee and Samaria. And they happened upon a village where ten lepers were outside the city gate. Now, in that culture, there were no antibiotics back then, right? And so if you had any sort of flesh wound, any kind of suspicious sore, you might have been considered a leper. And in the days before antibiotics, you were basically quarantined. You were sent outside the city gates where you would then um, beg the passersby for your sustenance, for food or whatever, money. And so that's probably the the scene that we find Jesus and his friends happening upon. They're entering into a village, and there are some lepers outside the city gate, and they, they beg Jesus, this healer that they've probably heard about. Jesus, have mercy on us, they call out to him. And what's interesting in this passage, if you noticed, Jesus doesn't 
heal them immediately. What does Jesus tell them to do? Go. (laughs) Go and present yourself to the priest, he tells them. Now, why why would you do that? Well, the priest in that culture was the one who could declare them clean and fit to return to society. So go and present yourself to the priest, he tells them. And as they were going to the priest, they are healed. Now, that's about all we know about nine of the lepers. But the reason this story is included in the sacred writ is because of the one, the minority report. The one turns back to Jesus after having been cleaned of leprosy and says, thank you prostrates himself on the ground, thank you for healing me. And what was Jesus' response to this one who turned around and gave thanks? Let me, let me find it here again so I can be exact. We're not ten made, weren't ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And so one returned, one out of nine said, thank you. We don't know Jesus' emotional state. It doesn't really indicate that in this passage. Maybe Jesus was sad. Maybe he was disappointed, flabbergasted, irritated, maybe even angry. Where are the other nine? It could be read like that. Or where are the other nine? You've probably had this experience. You've done something kind or nice to someone and they didn't express a lot of appreciation. Anybody ever have that experience? Or turn it around and maybe you were the offender. You failed to express appropriate thanks. Anybody ever forgotten to send a thank you note? I, working on this sermon, I had to catch up on a couple of thank you notes myself. And so it's easy enough to be one of the nine, isn't it? takes a little more effort to be the minority report. It just took a simple thank you. When I was in college, there was a popular song among certain Christian circles, and the title of the song was Thank You. It was by the singer named Ray Bolts. And the lyrics are that the singer finds himself in heaven with a friend. Some of you probably know this song. And in this song, there are people in heaven coming up to this friend and saying thank you for lots of different things that happened throughout the life. And it was a touching song, at least at the time. And when I was in college, I was a part of a little drama group. I don't know if that surprises you at all. (laughs) I was a part of a little drama group, and we we actually did... um, dramatic sign language to this song, and I'm going to do that for you now. It went like this. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Can you see me doing that about 20 years old? (laughs) I thought I was so cool. (laughs) Never been cool. 
about that time when I was going around doing this, I heard a preacher talk about this song, and it caught my attention because it connected. I knew the song. And he was talking about how the people in heaven are coming up to that gentleman and saying, thank you. But how they missed their opportunity to do that during their lives. And how in heaven, we're not sure exactly what it's going to be like, and we're not sure if we're going to get to go up to people and say, thank you, and how we need to say thank you now while we have the chance. And I'm not sure I ever did that little presentation again after that. But expressing our thanks does more than alleviate our guilt. There's another benefit to it. Do you remember what happened at the end of this story? That Jesus told this one who returned? He said, get up and go on your way. Your faith has what? Made you well. Your faith has made you well. Wait a minute, he's already been healed of leprosy. What does this mean? With something beyond a physical healing, it must be some sort of emotional or spiritual wellness or wholeness. The word there in the Greek is sozo. I love this word. It can be translated saved. Your faith has saved you. It can be translated like the NRSV does. Your faith has made you well. Or it even could be translated, your faith has made you whole. Would anybody enjoy a little more wholeness in their life? Your faith has made you well. So my question for you today is, what kind of leper are you? Meaning you need a little wholeness or wellness beyond what you currently enjoy. What kind of leper are you? Are you one of the nine who experiences tremendous grace and fails to turn and express appropriate things? Or are you part of the minority report? The one who turns around and says, thank you, Lord. I hope to be part of the minority report. But how do we grow in the grace of gratefulness? Brother David Steindl Rast has sort of a three-step process, and he's kind of the guru in, within Christian circles about gratitude. Here's what he writes. He says, step one is wake up. Here's what he writes. We never start to be grateful unless we wake up. Wake up to what? To surprise. As long as nothing surprises us, we walk through life in a daze. We need to practice waking up to surprise. I suggest this simple question, a kind of alarm clock. And the question is this, isn't this surprising? Yes, indeed, will be the correct answer, no matter when and where and under what circumstances you ask this question. After all, isn't it surprising that there is anything at all rather than nothing? Ask yourself at least twice a day, isn't this surprising? And you will soon be more awake to the surprising world in which we live. Surprise may provide a jolt enough to wake us up and stop taking everything for granted. But we may not like all that surprise. How can I be grateful for something like this? We may howl in the midst of a sudden calamity. And why? Because we are not aware of the real gift in any given situation opportunity. So step two is be aware of opportunities. There's a simple question that helps me practice the second step of gratitude, and it's this. What's the opportunity here? You'll find that most of the time the opportunity that a given moment offers you is an opportunity to enjoy. 
to enjoy sounds or smells, tastes, textures, colors, and with still deeper joy, friendliness, kindness. The more we practice awareness of the countless opportunities to simply enjoy, the easier it becomes to recognize difficult or painful experiences as opportunities, as gifts. But while awareness of opportunities inherent in life events and circumstances is the core of gratefulness, awareness alone is not enough. What good is it to be aware of an opportunity unless we avail ourselves of it? How grateful we are shows itself by the alertness with which we respond to the opportunity. All right, so number three, step three, is respond alertly. Once we are in practice for being awake to surprise and being aware of the opportunity at hand, we will spontaneously be alert in our response, especially when we are offered an opportunity to enjoy something. When a sudden rain shower is no longer just an inconvenience but a surprise gift, you will spontaneously rise to the opportunity for enjoyment. You will enjoy it as much as you did in your kindergarten days, even if you are no longer trying to catch raindrops in your wide-open mouth. Only when the opportunity demands more from you than spontaneous enjoyment will you have to give yourself a bit of an extra push as a part of step three. So the three steps. Wake up, be aware of opportunities, and respond alertly. One leper did those three steps. One leper was made well. Will you be part of the minority report? Brother David Steindl Rast also offers a pledge for living gratefully. It's a pledge that I invite you to read with me as we close out this sermon. And if you feel so inclined to actually adopt this as a rule of life. Let's read it together. In thankfulness for life, I pledge to overcome the illusion of entitlement by reminding myself that everything is gift and thus to live gratefully. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome my greed that confuses wants with needs by trusting that enough for all our needs is given to us and to share generously what I so generously receive. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome apathy by waking up to the opportunities that a given moment offers me, and so to respond creatively to every situation. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome violence by observing that fighting violence by violence leads to more violence and death, and thus to foster life by acting nonviolently. In thanksgiving to life, I pledge to overcome fear, which is the root of all violence, by looking at whatever I fear as an opportunity, and thus courageously to lay the foundation for a peaceful future. Let it be, O oh Lord. Let it be. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining. <laughs>